Good evening. Time being 7 o'clock, I call the November 16, 2022 meeting of the Franklin Town Council to order. Please pause for a moment of silence. Please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Announcements from the chair. All citizens are now welcome to attend public board and committee meetings in person. Meetings are live streamed by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast Channel 11 and Verizon Channel 29. In an effort to maximize citizen engagement opportunities, citizens will be able to continue to participate remotely via phone or you may click the Zoom link that is on the posted agenda and on the town's website. Phone number is 1-929-205-6099. And enter the meeting ID number 873-8933-3070. And then you need to hit the pound sign. So once again, the meeting ID, 873-8933-3070 pound. If residents are just interested in watching the meeting, it will also be live streamed by Franklin TV. Uh, Tonight, uh, Councilor Frangillo is uh, participating remotely. And Councilor DeLorco uh, may be coming in remotely as well. Currently, he is not. And obviously, every uh, vote will need to be a roll call vote because we have remote participation. Okay, moving on. Citizens' comments. Citizens are welcome to express their views for up to three minutes on a matter that is not on the agenda. The council will not engage in a dialogue or comment on a matter raised during citizens' comments. The town council will give remarks, appropriate consideration, and may ask the town administrator to review the matter. Is there anyone in council chambers that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? I see two hands. First one over here. Uh, Just name and address, please. Thank you, Mr. Jim. Rick Saccone, Chestnut Street, Town. I rise tonight just to thank the council and uh, uh, a chief uh, chief of police and our firefighters uh, for both the sidewalks and the crosswalks that now we see all over town. There was a while where we, we a lot of neighbors fought for crosswalks and it seemed a, a tougher a tough hurdle to get beyond. Uh, now we see them multiple places. I think it's uh, made our streets safer, slowed down traffic, made it better for walkers and folks pull up, pushing carriages and on bicycles. And uh, I think it was a big game for the community to listen to a 
a huge, what I thought, a huge safety concern. So thanks to you all. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Uh, the kind of town clerk would like to speak, please. Nancy Danello, town clerk. Thank you, Mr. Chairman and council members. While another election is in the books, and I submitted my certified results to the state, and I'm thrilled to say that everything ran smoothly. From the ballots getting out, to in-person early voting, advanced processing, and depositing, and of course, election day. We're finally able to bring the annual report back to elections, and everybody was thrilled to have them there. We had a total of 14,657 votes cast out of 24,798 registered voters, which equates to about 59% turnout. I want to thank all of you for all your support throughout these past couple of months. Jamie, Alicia, Mark, everybody, all the department heads. We really do have a wonderful, wonderful team here in Franklin, and I thank you all. My staff, my wardens, all the election workers who worked many hours to ensure that this election would be a success. Jim and Carol Dacey, who volunteer every election to come and do the numbers. I mean, 8 o'clock at night, you're home in, in your jammies on the couch. I wouldn't want to come out. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> thank you, Carol. Right? <laughs> yep. It's a huge help. Um, now we're on to our next project, revamping the vault. King Information Systems will be out on December 5th to start this project. I want to take the opportunity to thank Chris Feely and all of the members of the Community Preservation Committee for funding this project. That's it. I wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving and thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Is there anyone else in council chambers that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? Please, uh, come forward, name and address, please. Colin Cass, 146 Longhill. I uh, just want to congratulate Steve Sherlock on 15 years of sterling service to the town for his uh, contribution in uh, Franklin Matt. Thank you. Is there anyone else in council chambers that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? Seeing none, is there anyone out there in Zoom land that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? Seeing one, do you, Alicia? <coughs> okay, seeing none, we will move on. Uh, next item on the agenda is the approval of minutes. Uh, I'd entertain a motion to approve the minutes from October 19th, 2022. So moved. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion, additions, deletions. Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion. All those in favor, signify by uh, roll call. Clerk will call the roll. Jerry. Yes. Romeo Ledger. Yes. Frangelo. Yes. Chandler. Yes. Hamlet. Yes. Library. Yes. Jones. Yes. Chair. Yes. Eight one F. Motion carries. 
Moving on, the next item on the agenda is proclamations and recognitions, and we have one this evening, and I'd like to uh, invite the fire chief to come forward. Good evening, chairman, members of the town council. We are very proud to have with us tonight firefighter paramedic Becky Carloni. I think we should have Becky come forward now. Um, Becky, would you like to right front and center? Becky is being recognized here tonight uh, for her actions that were done off duty on Saturday, November 6th, at November 5th at the Norton uh, High School football game. Um, I don't believe we would have heard about this story if it wasn't for a local article that mentioned a, an anonymous Franklin firefighter that took part in the, in the efforts there. Um, Becky is one of our firefighters, like many of our firefighters, who just comes to work every day, does her job, and just wants to go home and not get this type of recognition. I don't think she's very happy with us right now. <laughs> but nevertheless, we are extremely proud of what she has done. She's, uh, she's a tribute to our department. We're so proud of her, and um, we think she is extremely worthy, and we're grateful that the town is given this citation for our actions that were done that night. So we thank you and give the citation, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Chief. I ask the Councilor Plagri to read the citation. Yeah, yes. can go the mic. Yeah, by the mic. Uh, now she has to get in front of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. No running on. <laughs> now bear with me. I just got a new pair of glasses and I put them on and I can't really see out of them. So this is going to be good. So I'm not wearing them. I'm going to just add this. Town of Franklin, a proclamation honoring firefighter paramedic Becky Carloni on her heroic actions in a moment of crisis. Whereas Becky Carloni is a firefighter paramedic with the Franklin Fire Department, who on November 5th, 2022, was attending a football game with family members in Norton, Mass., where upon conclusion of the game, as she was exiting the stands, she saw that a man was lying down on the track in apparent distress, and she took immediate action. Whereas firefighter paramedic Carloni witnessed the man become unresponsive and pulseless, and immediately began to administer CPR along with another bystander, which they continued until an auto <coughs> automated external defibrillator arrived and was applied successfully, resulting in the patient's return of spontaneous circulation and respiration. And this is bringing it all back. <laughs> Whereas firefighter paramedic Carloni witnessed the patient become alert and resumed speaking, and she remained at his side until EMS arrived to take over his care. And whereas, because of Franklin's firefighter paramedic, Becky Carloni, swift action, response, composure, and compassion, in a moment of crisis, a man's life was saved. Now therefore, be it known, Franklin firefighter paramedic, Becky Carloni, is hereby commended with tremendous pride and gratitude by the Town Council of the Town of Franklin for her heroic actions in a moment of crisis. 
Questions or comments from the council? Seeing none, the clerk will call the roll on the appointment. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Cormier Yes. Sheridan? Yes. Uh, Frangelo? Yes. Chandler? Yes. Library? Yes. Ambler? Yes. Joe Jessen, Chair? Yes. Eight, one absence. Motion carries. Allison, welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, moving on. Next item on the agenda is uh, hearings. We don't have any this evening. Uh, license transactions. We do have one. Uh, La Quintino Winery Company, Farmer Winery, special license to allow, allow sale of wine. 2022-2023 at the Franklin Winter Farmers Market located at 887 Lincoln Street. Clerk will read the transaction. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is a licensed transaction for La Quintina Winery Company, Robert Vazella of 355 Union Street, Franklin, Massachusetts, 02038. La Quintina Winery Company is seeking approval for Farmer Winery Special License to allow sale Wine at the 2022-2023 Franklin Winter Farmers Market located at 887 Lincoln Street, Franklin, Massachusetts, pursuant to Chapter 138, Subsection 15F. The applicant has satisfied all state requirements for approval. This is a motion to approve the issuance of Farmer Winery Special License, the Lacantina Winery Company, to allow sale of wine at the 2022-23 Franklin Winter Farmers Market located at 887 Lincoln Street, Franklin, Massachusetts. Second. Motion is second. Discussion. Alicia. Through you, Mr. Chairman. Um, this application has been signed off by all departments, and it's to allow uh, La Cantina to sell wine at the Winter Farmer's Market, which goes from November 19th of this year to April 1st of next year, and it's uh, every Saturday. Sure. 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 
Thank you, Alicia. Any questions or comments from the council? Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. You know, I just wanted to thank the Vozellas and La Catina for their constant support of all of the farmers markets, the, um, the one downtown and the winter's farmers market. So thank you for your support and it's uh, greatly appreciated. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Councilor Plagri. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Is this the only application that we have for someone to sell at Fairmont Farms? Through. Pardon? Yeah. Jamie. Through you, Mr. Chairman, yes. Yes, okay. Yes. Thank you, Councilor Plagri. Councilor Cormier Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. If, if memory serves me, this is not the first time the applicants applied for this particular license, correct? And we've never had an incident. No, we haven't. Right. So it's, it's worth knowing to everybody that he's an outstanding businessman and, and does everything by the book. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Cormier Ledger. Any other questions or comments? Seeing none, the clerk will call the roll on the license transaction. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Sheridan? Yes. Formula Ledger? Yes. Frangillo? Yes. Chandler? Yes. Flagry? Yes. Hamlin? Yes. Jones? Yes. Chair? Yes. Eight more actions. Motion carries. Okay, moving on. Presentations and discussions. Uh, we have a couple this evening. The first is a presentation from the Recreation Department. Uh, Ryan Jetty, Director of Recreation. Uh, Just the top button when I want to change them? Uh, no, this side. Okay. Good evening. Please, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you all. Um, just for the folks that are at home, I think you all know who I am, but I'm Ryan Jetty, the Recreation Director. Uh, with me tonight is the Chairman of the Recreation Advisory Board, Wayne Samiri. So I thought it'd be great. Uh, thank you. I want to thank you guys for allowing me to come out and present. I haven't been here since 2019. A lot has changed in that time. I mean, we had a great run right through COVID. We kept busy, and uh, we've done some great things. So thank you for having me. Uh, just to give you a, a quick, I'm going to be trying to brief as I can, allow some time at the end so everybody can ask questions if they have. Uh, the Franklin Rec Department offers the residents of Franklin a variety of programs and events uh, for youth and adults. We also coordinate all the field use for over 5,000 kids that are involved in youth sports and for the Franklin High School sports teams. Our registration numbers for our programs have continued to grow each year. In FY22, uh, we had 6,293 kids uh, enrolled in programs. Our department brought in $619,000 in revenue. Uh, the, the, the largest amount of money we've brought in in the 23 years that I've been here. Um, while only spending 566, so we uh, brought in about 52,000 more than we, that we spent. Um, our you know, 6,200 enrollment uh, is, is roughly 19% of the total population that was involved in programs, so I think that's pretty impressive. Uh, we estimate that at least 25% uh, of the population was impacted by the rec department somehow, whether it was through using trails, fields, playgrounds, and taking parts in programs and events that we run. Uh, moving on to the next slide there. Um, our office is staffed by three full-time employees, myself being the director. Uh, we have two program coordinators, Kim Carney and Sean Fitzpatrick, uh, and one part-time administrative assistant, Sheila Adeletto. I can't say enough great things about the staff and what they do and how hard they work to provide outstanding service to the residents <coughs> of Franklin. In addition to our office staff, we also have 91 active part-time employees, 
Our program coordinators, uh, there's about 10 of those that head up the outstanding programs we offer. Jack Geremini um, has been with us for 20 years. He does an excellent job with our flag football and street hockey program. And he's just, uh, he's amazing. I can't say enough about him. So I'm sure you all know who Jack is. Seen him around the fields. Um, Nicole Nesbitt and Kerry LeBlanc head up our preschool and art programs. Uh, they also do a phenomenal job and they work right, in, right alongside of us at the, at the building at 275 Beaver. Um, we have 42 basketball officials that we keep busy. We're actually running a training for them right now back at the, at the office. 18 summer camp counselors. We have three junior art and craft instructors and numerous high school students that work as aides uh, alongside our program coordinators. We also have uh, active tax work-off volunteers from the senior center, volunteer coaches, and, and many contracted employees. The personnel at the rec department makes up about 55% of our budget. So a um, huge percentage of what we do is, is, is absorbed in salaries. Moving on to the uh, operations. Uh, the majority of the rec department revenue comes in the form of program receipts from the over 100 programs that we run annually. Uh, we bring in about 97% of our receipts are brought in through credit cards, so very little interaction. Uh, they, we have a 24-7 online registration system that the residents can sign their kids up at any time of the night. Uh, we also organize many community events. Uh, this summer we did six concerts on the Common with movie nights uh, every other week. We had food trucks in conjunction with the farmer's market. And it just it couldn't, uh, we had a great summer, so I couldn't say enough about the weather, cooperated, everything went great. Uh, we also run the Earth Day event in April, which has about 200 volunteers, and we get uh, a lot of assistance from our Department of Public Works. Uh, we also do an Easter egg hunt, uh, Peter Cottontail's Excellent Adventure, uh, many other large events that are, that are really well received in the community. Another part of our uh, department is managing the thousands uh, of field applications and, and court reservations that we get. And that's through field scheduling for our facilities. We have rough, as I mentioned before, we have roughly 5,000 participants in youth and high school programs. And we're constantly uh, looking through those reservations to make sure we don't have any conflicts between youth and high school events. We also do a lot of park planning, uh, thinking long-term down the road about capital planning for our parks, playgrounds, and trail systems. Making sure that ADA compliance and safety is our main focus when we're, when we're doing those playgrounds. We have an extensive volunteer list that we manage as well. We have Eagle Scouts that have to complete hours and we give them big 100-hour projects. So we oversee that. And uh, we have a lot of high school community service hours. Kids have to come to us to fulfill those hours. And we oversee that as well. And, and as I mentioned before, the tax work off volunteers through the Senior Center. Um, getting into our programs. So just diving a little bit deeper into the programs, in 2022, the rec department offered 117 unique programs with four, 400 different classes. And as I mentioned before, 6,293 participants. Our summer camp numbers rebounded really well after, after COVID. We had 1,100 kids sign up for summer camp this past summer. The rec basketball program is one of the largest uh, youth sports programs in town with 1,380 kids signed up. Uh, between the winter and the youth, uh, and then the intramural program that we run with the high school kids. The NFL flag program uh, had 575 kids participate this year. Pee Wee Baseball had 289 uh, kids in T-ball between four and six. Girls lacrosse, uh, 236 young girls between K to eight. Uh, our field hockey program is huge now, 390 girls doing that. We also uh, organized the, um, the only governing body. Actually, field hockey is one of those sports that um, you know, you've got a lot of a Pop Warner organization. You get these organizations that have been around forever. Field hockey is such a new sport that 
Franklin actually started the statewide league called the Commonwealth League, and we have 26 towns represented from North Shore, South Shore. We bring in all the revenue for that. We hire all the officials to run those games, and uh, it's, it's a great league, so it's, it's impressive. Uh, the, uh, the, our track program runs three times a year. We have a spring, uh, summer program, and then a, and a winter program. We have just under 200 kids in that. We do street hockey two times a year, spring and winter, 140 kids in that. A girls volleyball program is starting to make a comeback. Um, a couple of years there, we, we weren't getting the numbers. We're up to 90 kids this winter. And you can see a trend here that a lot of the programs that we run, are, we're building a feeder system for the high school. And, and we're seeing great results at the high school level uh, they've won three Dalton awards in a row, with the, which is considered the highest win percentage out of all Division I schools. So when you're starting them at six, seven, and eight years old, and by the time they're you know, 15 getting into high school, um, you know, Franklin sports are, are a force to be reckoned with. We also organize a community garden at King Street Park. Uh, we've got 57 garden beds down there, and six of those beds are exclusively dedicated to providing fresh produce to the food pantry. Um, we have great volunteers down there, Deb Schwab and Teresa Triana and Jen Cuse uh, manage the garden for us. Jen is actually uh, the one who manages all the food pantry beds, so she does a great job. Pickleball, I'm sure everybody's heard of pickleball. It's the fastest growing sport in the United States. 40% increase in participation since 2000, uh, 2020. So just in a short period of time, 4.8 million players nationwide are playing. So uh, whether we like it or not, pickleball is coming to Franklin as well, <laughs> and, uh, and we need to you know keep up with that. Some other programs with uh, good success in town are we do a great golf program uh, with Maplegate Country Club, strength and conditioning class for middle schoolers. We're running chess, wrestling, tennis, and of course our preschool program, which is run by Miss Kerry and Miss Nicole. They do a fabulous job. So our newest, uh, most popular event is a summer concert on the Common, which I mentioned, which has the six nights. They do solo music from four to five, and then from five to seven we have a band play, and then usually the movie night comes on after that. Uh, Earth Day has been run by the rec department since 99. The DPW does a great job helping us clean up all the bags along. You probably see all the blue bags around town. Uh, about third week in April we run that on a Saturday. Uh, so they do a great job in organizing that as well. Getting into just a list of our programs here. This is a real extensive list of some of the programs we run. I'm not going to obviously go through every one of these, uh, probably because they're in nine font, which you can't read, but um, <laughs> you know, when you're at home and you're combing through, you can take a look at some of the programs that we have there. Um, you can look at that at your leisure. I'm not going to go through all the programs, but these, I just wanted to put them in the slides. Our fall programs, some of the most popular ones are our flag football, the field hockey, uh, the golf, uh, winter programs are very popular as well. Basketball, as I mentioned before, with, uh, over a thousand kids in that. So you can kind of scroll through some of these. Our spring programs, the girls lacrosse is a big one. Pee Wee baseball, street hockey, outdoor track. And then, of course, our summer programs as well. Also, we're doing community education. We do a CPR and uh, AED training, first aid classes. Uh, we're bringing back Red Cross babysitting. So we're training. Uh, young boys and girls that are 11 to 15 years old on the business of babysitting and and uh, and they have the option of signing up for the CPR class as well to, to include that. Our base, uh, baseball and basketball officiating certification courses, we're getting kids ready to umpire and officiate um, youth basketball. And we have a lot of seasonal programs too that we do, art classes, you know, for special holidays and whatnot. So. Those are great. And photography is something that's going to be new too. We're going to be getting kids out into the uh, into nature and taking pictures in, in the uh, great fields we have. 
Fields and playgrounds, as I mentioned, um, we schedule and permit all the fields and courts and playgrounds in town. We work closely with the, the DPW on the maintenance and, uh, and making sure that we're following the ASTMF, which is the American Society for Testing Materials, and also the CPSC, which is the Consumer Product Safety Commission. You know, just making sure that we're following all the latest standards. Uh, no head entrapments, no uh, fall height problems or anything like that. And also following those uh, handicap accessible guidelines. Um, we're working with the Franklin uh, Youth Sport, uh, Franklin Sports Athletic Director too to make sure that, uh, that their programs have the priority in all of our fields and then we filter in behind that with our youth stuff. Some highlights of, the, uh, of, our, of our, our great fields are the Beaver Pond uh, Playground. We just finished that, the Vendetti Playground down at uh, Beaver Pond. The fitness course is gonna be done tomorrow. They're putting the final touches on that of going down the, the turf. So you'll have to get a look at that. I've got some pictures in a later slide. Um, we also have a lacrosse rebound, rebound wall down there, which is a real popular thing right now. I've already been called by three or four communities. They're looking to do it in their town. So it's great to, uh, to, to be the leader around the, the, the area in some of these endeavors. Uh, King Street Playground and Court Improvements, we did those in 2019. Um, there were some minor improvements that we made to the playground. And uh, we also have to, we're working on a master plan as well for the whole site to work on getting the, the building upgraded and some lighting and whatnot. Um, the Delcart Playground we put in in 2017. We're currently working on an ADA compliant uh, playground right now at Nation Street Tot Lot. I'm working with a, a developer and, uh, some, and Nancy White on the design of that. So that's exciting stuff. Uh, this isn't, again, I'm not gonna go through it. It's small font, but if you wanna read, these are some of the playgrounds and the fields and locations that we have in town. And if you can see in the background, that's the new cross wall that we just built. So that's pretty neat. Uh, you can read that at your leisure. Just some pictures here I wanted to put in on the top left there. That's our sand volleyball court we put in over at King Street Memorial Park. The one in the middle top there is the, uh, the newer playground at, at Delcart. The top right there is the turf field that was after it was resurfaced at Franklin High School Stadium. Bottom left is the uh, Beaver Pond turf field after that was resurfaced. And then the middle bottom there, that's the court at King Street Park. It's all post-tension concrete. And then in the bottom right, which is my favorite, that's the Fletcher Field, uh, the rink that was uh, uh, funded um, by partially by the Boston Bruins, gave us the 75,000 for the board. So that's a couple, couple more here. See in the top left, that's the lacrosse wall there. It's surrounded by um, turf, artificial turf grass. And in the right, that's gonna be the new obstacle course. It's a Ninja Warrior style obstacle course down at Beaver. And um, there's 12 different exercises that you go through and you have a time then you finish with the warped wall at the end, if anybody can get up it. It's uh, 16 feet high, I tried, I can't really navigate it myself, but you know, I'm doing my best. So maybe then the bottom left is, uh, our DPW just completed a, uh, a new uh, design of the, uh, the whole infield was redone with sod, and uh, you can see the turf halo behind home plate, which is in there. And um, our friends down at uh, Franklin Country Club let us borrow their mower to, uh, to, to stripe it up and make it look like a golf course. So you can thank Mike for us, okay? <laughs> uh, so that, that looks great. Some of the capital projects that are on the horizon. Again, um, I don't wanna get ahead of myself because some of these haven't been uh, voted or even proposed. But these are just some things that I've been thinking five, 10 years down the road that I think we're gonna need to do. Obviously the Nation Street Tot Lot was uh, funded through a $300,000 uh, Community Preservation Act fund and uh, that's been already funded and we're working on that. The Fletcher Field Playground, we, we did um, get a $50,000 grant from the state uh, just recently and we're gonna need to come back to either capital or to CPC to, to finish that off. 
Um, the King Street Memorial Park, as I mentioned, we're working with Power Associates on a master plan. We're looking to try to upgrade the building, put in some uh, parking lot lighting, uh, the new playground, a splash pad, and some additional pickleball courts. Um, we had a citizen engagement session uh, back about two weeks ago. We got some good feedback from the residents that around the park, and uh, we're taking those seriously. So we'll, we'll get back to them on that. The Daisy Field Playground eventually is going to need, I'm thinking five years down the road, we're going to need to have that redone. Um, Horace Mann Fields. When we did the high school project, um, the, the staging area was behind, behind Horace Mann. And, um, it's never really been restored to what it used to be when it was a playing field. And so we're still using it for track and field events, but I think that we need to do some improvements with the upper parking lot to maybe a retaining wall um, and maybe put in some irrigation down there and get it back to the playing field. Um, Beaver Pond, uh, the scoreboard is, is really outdated. We've had to make some uh, you know, tweaks, $1,000 here, $1,000 there, but I think, I think eventually that's, that's about at its uh, last leg. So we're gonna need to replace the scoreboard and we have 55,000 put aside uh, out of the Fletcher Fund for a new press box as well down there. Remington basketball courts, um, eventually those are gonna need to get done over there. And again, some of these projects would probably fall under Mike's auspices, but I'm just you know, I'm bringing to your attention that eventually these are gonna need to be uh, upgraded. I, I, I would suggest the post-tension concrete like we've been doing with most of the courts that we've been building now. The asphalt in the northeast cracks very easily and it, it doesn't last very long and the post-tension is guaranteed for 20 years. So um, that's something we'll need to do. The high school baseball and softball field, uh, I'd love to see a restroom facility up top there. We're using portable toilets right now. Um, they get pretty bad every now and then when we have large events, so it'd be nice to get a facility up there. The stadium uh, bleachers on the visitor side, uh, those need to be replaced. DC Field, uh, be great to get a restroom down there. We have a dog park, we have a playground, we have a disc golf course, we have three soccer fields and two baseball fields, and uh, we're still using portable toilets there as well. So it'd be nice to get a facility. Uh, the front turf at the high school will eventually need to be resurfaced, I'm guessing within the next seven years. And then the tennis courts at the high school as well, those are, those are getting aged, and, and those are asphalt, so they, they, we're starting to see some minor cracking in those. Uh, and I would, again, suggest the post-tension concrete on those as well. So that's just some, a snapshot of some of the uh, upcoming capital projects. This is just a list of um, that I put together of some of the opportunities that folks have in town. Uh, there's so much to do in Franklin. We're very diverse. We have something for everyone. And so um, in the background, you see we just put up a new windscreen for the tennis team. Uh, very well received. Everybody probably sees it when you're driving through. But those are uh, some of the activities that you can partake in. So. That's it, that's all I have. I wanted to just open it up if anybody has a question at all. That's it, yeah. very, very brief. Um, thanks for allowing me to share all the great things we have going on. Um, any questions or suggestions for programming? Or? First of all, I defy any community that, that has a more recreation opportunities than we do in the town of Franklin. Jamie, would you like to I just want to remind everybody, this is done by three people. A lot of volunteers, Ryan articulated, a lot of great coaches, a lot of dedicated people, senior techs, it's a team effort. But, um, you know, I think it goes without saying, his vision and the Recreation Advisory Board is uh, unmatched in any community in Massachusetts, let alone around this area. I just thank Ryan and, and Kim and Sean, especially for their incredible commitment to uh, the community. They're just phenomenal, phenomenal staff. And, I think how Ryan's dealt with COVID, the creativity, uh, the adaptation, and just continuing to move forward, uh, like the library, like the senior center, like the schools, 
um, just provided so much comfort um, and incredible services through all that. And it's, I'm sure it's not a shock to any of you to see the registration numbers and the engagement post-pandemic. Um, it's an incredible asset for the community. So thanks to the Recreation Advisory Board and the entire rec department. Thanks. Thank you, Jamie. I'm just disappointed that he couldn't climb the wall. Yeah, I'm really shocked by that. I don't, in February, you know? I don't believe him at all. I'll get there. I'll get there. Uh, Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Ryan, to you and your group. Uh, how many times have I said this over the years? It's just wild. Uh, I mean, uh, Jamie coined it best. And three individuals, I know there's a ton of volunteers. Current effort and a lot, of, a lot of people behind the scenes that really make this whole operation work. But I really have to agree with the fact that I cannot think of many communities that can even match, frankly. And the uh, funny note is that I have a friend who lives in Walpole and he says to me one day at work, he goes, God, I hate for They're just so good. It's a pain sometimes when we have to go down and play Franklin. And that's a, I get I get all proud of that fact. Tom has such great amenities. I, I have to admit, having had my own kids go through, through several programs, that it, just the teamwork and the team effort and the lessons that they learned being part of the programs is something that will last a lot And it's great to see the results and it's great to have it in front of us today. And I think one of the best parts, and I say this every single time you come in front of us, is one of the few departments that's self-funded. <laughs> And I think that's awesome. And I just want to thank you and all of your staff for that. Thank you, Councilor Jones. Councilor Plegri. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. How long have you been uh, director? Well, I started in 1999. So 23 years this September. I can remember the day you came in my office and you asked if I would do a letter of recommendation for you. <laughs> <laughs> And she refused. I just knew you were going to do great things for Franklin, and you certainly have. Everybody talks about our programs and all of that here in Franklin, and that's all because of you. We had not nearly, um, I don't even want to say a quarter of the things that you're offering now back it's just been wonderful to have you aboard. Thank you for all your hard work. Keep it up. And 50 is really not bad. No. Long <laughs> no. way to go. <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Plagri. Councilor Chandler. Through you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, obviously, they've said everything I wanted to say already. So, <laughs> And this alone, this will be on our website so everyone can look at it. Yeah. Well, this says it all. This is this is wonderful. Now let me get to just a couple things. I am big on this, and you spoke about it. The bathrooms, mm -hmm. like you know, King Street, Beaver Street, Great, <coughs> and I see. Not to cut into Jamie's other presentation, but the bathrooms for Daisy are on our thing tonight. They are. Well, some of the money. I don't think so. 9-3. I hope they are. 3.2. Uh, <laughs> construct bathroom and concession facilities at DC Recreational Field. Yes. You've been trying since 2018 to get that done. It's 
decent? Oh, is it the thing? open space plant? I'm oh, yeah, the open space plant. Open. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I put it in the open space uh, red, plant. Red. Yeah, we just had a meeting the other day and I gave a wish list. I think that's what you're seeing. Okay, that's what I'm seeing. Yeah. Well, hopefully that gets done. I, I would love to see that and the high school. Because, I mean, that's a huge facility and that's another one with just water bodies and it's, it's rough there. Yeah, I think another. Part of the bathrooms too is if we have the uh, we, we do provide keys to the to the youth sports organizations that are using those fields or that have the permit. A lot of times they don't get opened, uh, or you know they get locked too early, or the, or uh, there's a mom who's at the playground and there's nobody around. And the bathrooms are locked, so it'd be great to be able to get those on an automatic uh, unlocking system in the morning and then lock up it, something like that. I think that would be helpful so that people don't have to worry about carrying keys around. Parents who have kids at the playground can access the restrooms as well. Right. Now, lastly, we're having another. <laughs> your stuff kind of goes into everything we're doing tonight. We're having another discussion on Davis Day later. Now, you have a field behind that school. Mm -hmm. <coughs> How heavily is that field used? We use it for uh, the, the, our Challenger Baseball. We use it uh, so through Franklin Youth Baseball. They use um, they use that on Sunday afternoons. It's not a uh, Saturdays. The seven they have a seven-year-old field over there on, that uses it on Saturdays. Uh, so Franklin Youth Baseball uses that field, and I would I would venture to guess five or six days a week. All right. Would the other fields be able to absorb that if we needed to use well, that land for something? At that age level, we have we have two fields that are. Um, one of them is at the King Street flagpole. Yeah. One of them is at Meadow Lock Lane. Um, they, we would have to schedule games later in the day at the other fields if we were to do that. They typically like to schedule games in the mornings, 9 to 12, 9 to 2. Uh, so we, we would have to push some of those games on to Fletcher 1, Fletcher 2. I was just getting, I didn't want us to restrict ourselves just because we couldn't find another field. Or, yeah. I mean, we have two big open spaces now. We can build some more fields in the next plan. Okay. <laughs> I'll remember that. But okay, <laughs> those those are my questions. Thank you, Thanks. and again, we, we appreciate everything. Thanks. Thank you, Councilor Chandler. Councilor Cormier Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank you, Ryan, for being here, and thank you to your uh, chairman, who's been just, just nodding along and, and and greatly approving of everything that you do, and you can see the pride in his face uh, as a dad with two boys in this town going through a lot of your programs and using your fields. Uh, thank you. Uh, because they're, they really are second to none whenever people, family members visit here. They just sort of are in awe of what we have here and what we're able to, to do. Um, we were at a, a meeting last week of the Franklin Newcomers and this came up, so I just want to ask this question. Are the lights in fields on some sort of timer mm -hmm. so that at night, particularly if they're not being used, they will uh, turn off? The youth, the youth organizations that are using those fields, they have a shutoff code and they're supposed to be shutting them off. I will say it doesn't always get done. The last coach there sometimes will leave. But they are in a time where they're going to go off. If they cut practice 15 minutes early, there may be a time where there's, uh, the field is unoccupied and it's being lit. Uh, guilty of that, but uh, but if they do go off at a, at a certain time shortly after they leave. So if there's nobody on the field, will they just automatically turn off? No, they don't. They don't work like that. We have them on a timer. Okay. They go on at sundown. Typically, they're going off at nine o'clock at night. At Beaver, for instance, we have flag football that ends at nine fifteen. We have them shut off at nine thirty, just so people can gather their stuff and get off the field. Okay. 
Um, and could it possibly be added to your wish list to do some lighting behind the home stadium at Franklin High School? Yeah, actually that was brought up at the Rec Advisory Board on Monday night. Yeah. Uh, the Pop Warner, um, the youth football board brought that up that uh, occasionally they have teams practicing back there and in the fall it gets dark early. They have rented portable lights, but uh, it is something that we're going to look into. Okay. Putting lights back I, there, yeah. That was part of that request, so yeah. I, I appreciate that. that yeah, and even like at the high school football games on Friday nights, that's where the kids all congregate and yeah. play, so it would be great to have some security back there. Well, and in line with the superintendent's recent letter to parents about the safety concerns behind the stadium, I think if that was well lit, then maybe that would make that less of a a draw here. But anyway, thank you and uh, thank you for all, all you and your team's hard work. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Comey Legend. Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Through the chair, Ryan, it's amazing. Thank you so much for everything you do. Um, I would I would guess, it's, I would say it would be more than 25% of the people yeah. in town are affected by the things that you do for, for all of us. Um, and, and your staff just they get so much done. Well, we've already said that. One of the things I wanted to say, I wanted to thank you for your effort with the community garden. Um, you've got that so well organized now. I've heard so many good things about um, how well it's kept up, and I know the volunteers are amazing too, but without your leadership, I don't think it would have happened. So thank you so much for that. And um, the DC restroom, one of the things I think about a lot, there's a dog park there. Maybe we can have a little fountain for the dogs too while we're at it. Um, because <laughs> you, gotta get, you gotta get water into the site. Uh, I mean, yeah. we have water that comes into the the irrigation box at the top of the parking lot, but uh, ideally it'd be great to have a restroom down near the playground, kind of in the middle of the site, yep. near the dog park, where soccer and baseball could walk to yep. and uh, yep. get water across. Right in the middle. Yep. Yeah, it would be perfect. Um, so, but thank you so much again. Thank, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Councilor Sharon. Again, thank you for all you do. Uh, I just about the uh, cornerback for Delcock. Do you think about getting that? You can just affordable. Yeah, we can. Because the dog hike there too, and that would be helpful. Okay, yeah. we we have done that um, when we know there's large events okay. down there. We put them in. Um, there is an expense with that. I mean, the restaurants yeah. are you know, seventy-five to hundred dollars a month to have them out there. Yeah, so I mean, we can certainly do it. Maybe if you get if you get. <laughs> Well, Ryan, Ryan, just yeah, get the board line. <laughs> okay. You got it. No, I see you mentioned like kayaking and uh, canoeing. Yeah. Could we ever get a rental someplace for that? Could so I get a what? A rental company. Can yeah, I actually, I, I brought that up to Jamie uh, yeah. last last fall, I think it was. Um, there's a company that, that uh, they have a kiosk. It's a portable phone. You just It's a QR code. Okay. And uh, you scan it, and it charges you by the hour. And you can pull out your kayak with the light preserver and paddles and everything. So we're looking into doing that already. We're just curious, where is the Delgado people? Um, we're looking at both sites. They're very expensive. Yeah. I will say you have to make a commitment for five years. It's fifteen thousand dollars. But uh, once you get that in, um, it's like a revenue sharing process that you share with the company, and they maintain. They do all the work for you. If something breaks, they come replace it. Uh, so we're looking into that. And the final thing that's very good uh, about fixing the visitor side. Yeah, I know Mike has already been working on that. Uh, Mike Diaz has already been working on that. So. Yeah, just briefly, I want to just say thank you to Jamie and the, and the town council for your support of recreation. 
Yeah. Thank you. Something quick? Yes. Just, just in regards to this comment. The canoe rental, is there liability associated with that? Well, I think I, I'm pretty sure that the, the whole app thing has it all in there. You check the box and you sign off on the waiver and all that. Oh, okay. Mark might have a... It certainly could require some sort of waiver. Councilor Frangelo. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I won't repeat all the thank yous, but I, I echo uh, most of the comments that have uh, been made uh, regarding the uh, flight, the field quality, all great. My, my one question uh, was, I, do we charge Franklin organizations for using the field? And if not, which I believe we don't, should we? Uh, we don't. Uh, we don't charge the youth programs that have full 100% Franklin participation. Um, if they have out-of-town residents, we do charge them. And if they are a for-profit organization, we do charge them. Uh, it's really a policy question, in my opinion. I don't think we should charge them. I, um, I feel like the youth sports organizations do give back to the, to the town. It, for their the properties that they use. For instance, if you're at Fletcher Field and there's new fence repairs that need to be done, a lot of times they will help chip in. Or if there's some labor that needs to get done, they will help chip in. So they work closely with Carlos and the DPW to make sure that they're, they're paying. And I feel like if we're, uh, and I've seen this in other communities where they charge a $10 per player fee, uh, all that goodwill goes away from the youth sports organizations. They expect their fields to be pristine because they pay the fee. It's not, it's not, I feel like it's more teamwork right now. We're all working together to get, to get the job done. And I feel like uh, in some of those other towns, it's, uh, hey, I, you know, I'm soccer, I pay more than football, so why are they getting this? You know, and a lot of infighting, and uh, I just, I, I never saw any benefit in that. Appreciate the response, thank you. Okay, thank you, Councilor Frangillo. Attorney Sorrell. Also, by making the fields available without a fee uh, protects the town from liability because there's a statute that says if you allow your property to be used for recreational purposes and don't charge a fee, you're not liable to negligence. Another good interesting. <laughs> sure. And that's why I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Solves that problem. <laughs> Jamie, did you? Uh, through you, Mr. Yeah, really quickly, I appreciate it. Um, just on the high school stands, I just want to remind everybody uh, this council did approve uh, the funding for that a couple years ago. Um, unfortunately, the one downside to it, so that project is on the is on the list. It's um, susceptible to being rolled into a bunch of other high school improvements, which would require borrowing at this time, interest rates. And so we'll probably be a little bit while longer, but it is something that we are well aware of, and we did. This council did approve of the uh, funding for that a couple of years ago, so we are working on that for sure. Thank you, Jenny. Any other questions or comments? Ryan, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate uh, so much. Uh, you do a magnificent job, you and your staff, and the recreation committee uh, with their guidance. I, I just think Franklin is in. He guides us. <laughs> he guides <laughs> us. I understand that. <laughs> uh, certainly, uh, I think our community is just in a great place with you, you, you folks in there. 
Thank you. Thank you. Okay, moving on. Uh, next discussion item is Davis Thayer Reuse Committee. Uh, James. Through you, Mr. Chairman. Um, um, so through you, Mr. Chairman. Um, here we go. Here it is. Everybody, Davis Thayer. Um, <laughs> let's get some reaction. <laughs> Everybody's asked me about this for years. The rumors have been out there. Facebook blows up. Uh, no, but all serious, Mr. Chairman, um, to Unity Council. Tonight's the uh, the first uh, public discussion we've been able to have on the, uh, the school, uh, the former school, excuse me. Um, I'm going to go through a couple of highlights just for the folks that are listening on Zoom or watching at home. Um, if folks want this information and want more, please go to our website at franklinma.gov and look at tonight's meeting agenda. There's a link there on the town calendar to the packet. It's uh, flush with a lot of material uh, regarding the current condition of the building, the status of it. There's some photos from inside. Um, there's uh, links to all of the reports and studies that have been done for decades on Davis there. Um, I just want to let everybody know at home, you know, overall, um, I think as we've seen in the recent studies the school department has done, the building is structurally in very good shape uh, for its age. It's been very well maintained by the community and uh, the facilities department and Mike D'Angelo in particular. Um, there's a whole website on the school department site of their process uh, on the surplus land. And folks can uh, fall asleep to much of that. Um, really, as the photos show, there's still a lot of, in, a lot of stuff inside, um, which um, you know, obviously uh, is going to take a lot. I want to remind everyone there's no elevator in the building. It is not ADA accessible. If you read the older reports, you will see the cost from 10 years ago. This is an extraordinary expense. So when we talk about moving things out of the building, it's the old-fashioned way. Just like you rented your first apartment on the third floor of a triple-decker with a narrow hallway up to the top. And um, in fact, when the school was being moved out, um, I know the movers that we had hired um, came pretty close to walking off the job. This is not easy work. It's very, very complicated, very heavy. Um, and so while it may seem to many that there's a lot of stuff in there, yes, there is, but it will take a long time to move it all out. And there's a procedure and a legal process that the community has to follow with that. Um, in terms of next steps, um, I've outlined in the memo a couple of things for, to focus tonight's discussion on. Uh, Mike is here tonight. We're happy to answer any questions on Davis there at all. Um, but really, the community has, the council has to make a decision on how they want to move forward with a reuse committee. This happens in every single community that has a, an older school building. Just Google them up. You can find all sorts of communities uh, from Boston to Hopkinton to Worcester to Springfield with closed old school buildings. Um, and there's traditionally a reuse committee um, that is formed. I presented here two options um, before the council, which is uh, option one would be eventually the council is going to make the decision finally on the future use of the building. Uh, so option one would be to have the uh, town council serve as the reuse committee. And as I note in here, that is extraordinarily rare if ever happens. Um, but given the form of government, I want to make sure the community has all options uh, if they're uh, availability. 
And the second one is the much more traditional, if not uh, process that is used in almost every community. Mark and Mike can both uh, uh, support me on that, uh, as well as Brian. Uh, most communities develop a very large or uh, uh, citizens advisory reuse committee of some sort, depending on what you want to call it. It doesn't really matter, but um, usually that is a mix of uh, stakeholders, town boards, general citizens. We can structure that committee charge uh, and customize it for however the council uh, feels. Uh, and then the second issue for discussion to focus tonight is a wish list of potential future uses that the council may want to get a head start on. We all know there are rumors everywhere. I know many of you have heard them. Um, uh, and there's been many suggestions on Davis there. I put a, uh, a short list in the memo uh, that has come to us uh, thus far, which is senior affordable housing, artists' lofts, uh, housing in general, uh, recreation and arts center, uh, temporary, potentially for a revenue source, uh, as Ryan, you heard before, pickleball is taking over the nation, pickleball <laughs> facility. Uh, look, I, I count dollars. <laughs> and I'm just saying, you know, um, it would be popular. Uh, the potential open market sale would require uh, a little bit more. We'll talk about that in a minute with the appraisal price. Uh, the potential, as uh, Councillor Chandler brought up earlier, um, there's the ball field and the playground and the parking for the library that some people use uh, as overflow. There are a lot of, I think we all know, municipal uses that could possibly be, uh, happen. Um, but the town manager in me also says that's also, everything's very expensive. Uh, at one point or another, but we could look at half of the parcel, just the building. Uh, there's a lot of flexibility. Um, and of course, as many people have rumored, uh, possibly uh, a site for uh, the police station, um, or at least a portion of the police station, or their operations, uh, and also economic development, uh, office leasing space have come up uh, in, in prior discussions as well. Um, so that's just a short list, it's not an exhaustive list, um, but we do have a quote that was included in the packet from Castle Booz, who's done many of the studies on Davis there for many years. Uh, other than Mike himself, uh, he made, Castle Booz associates may know the building as well as anybody. They've been doing studies inside Davis there for decades. Um, we do have a quote in there. Um, Regardless of where we move forward, we do want to get the architects at least working on looking at those potential uses. Um, and whether or not they're feasible, whether they're not feasible, what the pros and cons may be. This is not a study that is gonna show the community an exhaustive list of exactly what to do, but what it will is give everybody, or the reuse committee, it will give them a sense and a feel of what's feasible or not feasible. Unfortunately, some of the ideas people may come up with are just literally not feasible. Some of them may be expensive, some of them may require selling the building, i.e. housing. Um, and so all of those decisions are important to know some of the baseline pros and cons of those to give the reuse committee who will ultimately make recommendations to the council um, you know, a good idea of what's possible and what's not. The last point I would make, uh, Mr. Chairman, um, is just around the asset value of that building. Um, one of the things, obviously, in my chair, and I think for all of you, but certainly sitting from my standpoint, um, that is of utmost importance is for the community to understand that, that there is a significantly valuable public asset that we have to make sure <coughs> fiduciary responsibility to make sure that that asset is maximized on behalf of the taxpayers. Um, it's currently, the parcel is 3.48 3 acres. 
little larger than most people think. The total appraised value is 4.4 million. The building portion of that is 2.7 million. All of this is outlined in the public memo in the packet. Um, and I just wanted to put the clause in there, Mr. Chairman, which I know you know uh, quite well. Um, this was appraised as a school parcel. That is essentially the entrance to the Franklin downtown. The land itself is probably as valuable, if not exponentially more valuable than the building when you put it into a situation where it is not an educational institution and you possibly put it out to a market discussion of what it is the use might be. So I know this is a very uh, large topic. You know, folks in town have a lot of opinions on it. This is just the beginning. And as everybody knows, I'm sure, but I gotta say it, this will be a likely a very long process, as it should be, um, uh, to make sure that the asset is, uh, that the use and the future of it is maximized to the fullest potential of what the community vision is. So uh, that's my short overview, and if anybody has any questions or comments, obviously we're happy to entertain them. Thank you, James. And again, just to reiterate uh, some of what Jamie has said, tonight's discussion is really uh, focused on just a couple of pieces of this, which is number one, whether we as a council decide we want to be the reuse committee or we want to appoint a reuse committee. Uh, and the other piece of that is we do have a list of options. If there's a counselor or somebody in the audience that has uh, another use that they think might be something that should be added to that list, these are the kinds of things that we're looking to talk about tonight and not get too specific because we're not there yet. Uh, and I know Councilor Pellegrini on uh, more than one occasion has asked for a tour of that facility. And I know uh, to Jamie's point, and as you saw in some of the pictures, obviously we need to get it cleaned up before we can get the public in there to, uh, to do a tour. So, so with that, I will open it up to uh, questions. Councilor Coney Electric. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So just a point of clarification. I keep hearing how messy it is, and I keep hearing about stuff that was left behind. So is that sort of alluding to the fact that the school department didn't do a good job cleaning it and didn't take their stuff out? I'm a little confused. Jane? Please, Mr. Chairman. So essentially, the, 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 the teachers in the school department identified what they needed to move the items like a desk or a bookshelf or whatever furniture or chair, they identified the items that needed to be moved to wherever the teachers were going, Keller Sullivan. There weren't any teachers or any other staff in there moving things around. There was a moving company that came in to move that stuff out. Um, the way it was left is, and for some that are disappointed, uh, I understand the feeling and emotion that gets triggered. This is not uncommon when you're moving out of a 100-year-old school filled with that much stuff that the, um, that the educators take with them only what they need because they're disposing of a surplus property. There's no plausible scenario that they would ever have taken all of these items out. Um, and this is just part of 
probably step one of what most people don't think of as steps that need to be taken before we get into the fun part, which is what to do with the building. Um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and there'll likely be a capital uh, request this year for the financing of being able to either clean out some of those items, surplus some of those desks, we have to legally actually dispose of those through a state-run procurement process. We can't just have a yard sale. Um, and so, uh, you know, and, and I understand that people have those ideas and I respect those, but, you know, we have to be careful because those desks were purchased by people Franklin, so we have to dispose of it properly. Um, at, the, at a certain time, some of it may literally be junk, um, but we will hire a moving company to come in um, to bring all of that stuff out, or at least be able to put it some of the materials in a certain place that are at least more centrally located. But that will take a very, very long time. Okay, so when the transfer happened and the town became the owner instead of the school department, you know, for all technicalities, I realize it's all the town of Franklin, but um, do we then take responsibility of everything inside the building? Like, yes. That, yes. Like this body now owns and is responsible for everything transferred to us in that building? Correct. Okay, and are we currently using the building for storage other than what was there before? The only items in there are PPE. That was one of the spots where we uh, stored the PPE. And other than that, there's really nothing else. There may be a couple of transitionary, like desks or things, like in maybe this building, there might be a desk or a table or two that moved over while we're doing work projects but nothing permanently, and I would, I would encourage us to really not think of DT as a storage space. The more we store there, the more we quite have frankly, it's, like, I, it's I like your I house, right? I don't want to think of it as storage, yeah. so I'm yeah. just asking that, that question. Yeah. Because People have a hard time throwing out files, though. <laughs> and can, can you just share with everybody, Jamie, approximately what it's costing us right now to basically maintain, heat, ensure, you know, keep this building going, obviously, without any purpose right now. What's it costing us? Mike, do you know the number off the top of your head? We could look it up in the budget from last year. We have line item by line item of the gas, the heat, the electricity, and just can't exactly. So we do maintain the building as it is. We heat it to 50, 55 degrees. We test sprinkler, fire extinguishers. Um, it's, it's around, it could be a hundred grand a year to um, heat it and keep up with coming. But um, if you don't heat it, the building falls apart immediately. No, it needs yeah, all the paint falls yeah. off the walls yeah. and everything. So, yeah. um, sure. so it has running water, it has its automatic sprinkler system. Um, we did just recently bringing online a, um, a security, just a perimeter security so that, because we're not there every day and we want it, um, and even though it's in like the most observed place in the middle of town, we just want to make sure nobody gets into it. Sure. Doing anything bad. No, and I think there's landscaping costs and there's obviously other costs with the building. So I would just add to your earlier comments that even though this may be a long process. I think it falls in line with our fiduciary responsibilities to try to expedite this so that we're not having those carrying costs for an empty building that isn't being used for anything right now, but furniture that has to be thrown away and some PPE. But I just think that's 
irresponsible of us to to keep that for an unknown period going forward. That's all. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Comey Alleged. Councilor Chandler. Through you, Mr. Chairman. Um, can I talk about the committee for a minute, you said? Sure. I personally think it should be a citizens committee and then let them give us feedback. That's just my opinion. I just want to get that That's kind of what I was looking for from everybody yeah, as they finish up. Going down. Sorry. Yes. Okay. I, I, would have, I would agree with that also. Okay. Thank okay. you. <laughs> Secondly, um, we're not going to get in the weeds about what to do with the property right now, but I was thinking something more along the line of getting some sort of tax revenue out of it and keeping the facade of the high school. So as the gateway to Franklin, mm -hmm. that's how I would hope it would look. Um, quick question, this might be from Mr. D'Angelo. Say someone built a building right behind it, right up to the Davis Day of School. If they cut holes in the wall and the elevators and the ADA compliant bathrooms were all on the other side, would that count as getting it American Disabilities Act compliant? It would, but it, so one of the issues with Davis there is if you if you actually spend a, you know millions building a building adjacent to the back of it, it would solve all the problems. Um, one of the things about Davis there is it has a 400 amp electrical service in it, so it's it has barely more power than a house. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, but. That would be, yeah, you could make it, it's only accessible on the first floor at the moment. Okay. But if you put an elevator, if you put a building on the back of it, and an elevator in it, and handicap bath, the bathrooms are, we've, we've spent a batch of money on the bathrooms over the last okay. four or five years. So if some, someone came in there and wanted to build a, a nice building, and used the front as more of historical, maybe just some off, you know, small offices for their company and keep it historical. That would work. Definitely. All right, that's a thought. Yep. Um, thank you, Mr. Um, and lastly, I have to speak to this, these pitches. This is, I know other people will talk to it, so I'm not gonna, but I mean, I just, I don't want to bring up my own grandmother, but you know, she used to say, the only thing that belongs on the floor are your feet. <laughs> and look at this. This it's like no one cared. I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm getting too harsh when I say no one cared. But it, it's almost like I wish the school department would have a half a day and come help us get some of the stuff out. You know, maybe talk about the teamwork and all that other stuff instead of just we handed it to you, it's your problem. It just, I'm, it's a little frustrating, and when I'm not going to get into that right now, yeah. I, you know. But I, I hope people look at all the pictures online, because you can't have an open house right now with this. You can't. It would, it would be embarrassing. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Chairman. Councilor Plagrin. Well, I'm talk you. Do we have to go in? No, no. Councillor Hamlin. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I agree with Councillor Chandler and Councillor Cormier-Ledger. Uh, <coughs> citizens 
advisory committee. Option number two is definitely what I think is a great idea. I'm really sorry we can't have a yard sale because that might be kind of fun. Um, and uh, you know, the I agree that it's really important. You know, this it is the entrance way into the town, and um, and it would be it's really it's really important site. Um, so I just. I think the ideas you have here pretty much incorporate almost everything that I thought of. Maybe just an area where there's some commercial and um, there's always a space for a pop-up shop for economic development and maybe there's a shared kitchen in there too for innovation um, and other kinds of economic development. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councillor Hanley. Councillor Sheridan? Yes. So I agree about the Citizens Commission. Okay. And I remember moving the first time I came to Franklin, I remember seeing Davis Dale, so I agree with keeping it kind of as a gateway. And I wouldn't really too much about the pictures. I just think that's what happens people move. And as far as they have those two freaky doors in the back, I think first stuff out there. I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> the two doors, what? The, the, the two freaky doors that have those steps, so couldn't they help with the move? Couldn't what? Could help with the yeah, Oh, could they help with the move? Yeah. yeah, maybe. I mean, I think it's just it's just when you're going up and down the floors. Yeah. It some of this stuff is really heavy. But they have stuff on the second floor. But they have those two doors on the second floor that open up. Oh, throw it up. Yeah. Oh, just push it out. Yeah. 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 That's, well, you can put yeah. I mean, we used to do that at you know, in, in again, a third floor apartment. Yeah, put the bed through the window or what you know, put the refrigerator. It, it just some of it, yes. We could create a system. I'm sure Mike, when the moving company happens, will get a lift and do some of those things. But but some of the gear and some of the apparatus that's in there is, is never going to be. My kids, my kids is at class was from, so the door was right in the back of the Yeah, <laughs> just jump out. <laughs> you walk right over. Yeah. And also, I guess request from my students that you met us a little bit have the open house when the college is done. When the college isn't open? When the college is the home. Oh, when the college is the home. Okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. So we have we'll to do some summer. to get it cleaned up. So, <laughs> thank you, Councillor Sherry. Councillor Frangillo. Yes, thank you. Mostly just echoing the same. Um, I don't. I don't need to be on the commission as long as uh, we still get a say in the end. I love all the ideas that have been uh, put forward. It's a pretty all encompassing, but I'm open to hearing more. And it's um, easy to overlook the value of aesthetic and historic uh, properties, but that. I think really contributes to the feel of the town, and uh, is you know we get that value back um, through reflections and sort of everyone's property by being in a town uh, that cares about its history and, and has properties like that. Um, so as best we can preserve that. Uh, I'm Thank you, Councilor Fungello. Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I agree with my fellow councilors. I think this should go to a Davis Thayer reuse committee set by the council um, to see what the potential future usage really is to be. And I couldn't agree more with um, the town administrator in the sense that we really need to take a close look at this wish list into, in, into some significant detail to see really 
what's going to be the most viable thing that we can do, but what's also going to be the most cost effective. It's kind of a balancing act between wishing, wishes and needs at the same time, and ultimately what's going to benefit the community as a whole. As, as an individual who's had all five of my children go to the Davis Thayer, I can see it out my back window. I have obviously a heartfelt connection to the buildings as well as I know many of the individuals that do, because that building dates back to 1924. Wow. And many people I've spoken to in the neighborhood who's, who's grown up and lived in the Franklin area have said they went to Davis there, even back when Davis there was a high school. And then it, and, and, and there was so much history in that building that it, we would really have to do our due diligence to maintain that historical artifact in the downtown while purposing it for some other community use. So I'm 100% behind the world's got some kind of use. Thank you, Councillor Jones. Councillor Pellegri, who was in the last freshman class that went, <laughs> high school class that went to Davis Day. Many years ago, many years ago, we had dances in there and all, but that's the fact. We'll get up to that another time. Um, a lot of rumors go around, so we have to make sure that we talk about things at the council meeting. I know personally, I can't speak for the council, but I would never, ever, ever sell it to Dean, okay? And that's one of the biggest things that I've made promises to people, saying I won't vote for Dean, you know, to purchase it. It would be something that would be, that they would like, I'm sure, but no. Um, Police station, personally, I would say no for a police station. Uh, it's too close to the other. Plus, we don't want that in and out with all the traffic and all in the entrance to Franklin. Welcome to Franklin and here the sirens go. Um, to sell it, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And as Glenn said, it's a historic building. We don't want to get rid of it at all. Um, inside things, desks chairs put it on Facebook you'd be surprised families like to get a desk and a chair for their kids and we've got enough families here in town that they can come up and help us clean it out as far as taking a desk and a chair or even a couple of them and I was going to suggest that during comments for um, at the end of the meeting for the museum also I'm sorry yeah the, oh, the old museum because I saw one on Facebook right now that they're getting rid of, free of charge, all their pews. And they had over 132 um, people that got in touch with them. So there are people looking out there for them. You know, they, they decorate them, they put them in their dens or they're downstairs in their playrooms or whatever. That's getting off the track yeah. here. Let's get back to the the committee, I think it's fine to have a, a citizens committee, but I think there should be at least two people from the council on that committee, just to know everything that's going on. And perhaps where we have a, a background in the Davis Fair, we might be able to answer some questions and make things a little easier. I'd like to see on a citizens committee an attorney, um, a builder, um, uh, someone in accounting, you know, things, people that, know what they're doing and have been able to be a part of things like this before. Jamie, you're writing things down in Glenn. Um, 
Is there anyone in council chambers that, please, name and address? People at home may not know. Rick Saccone, Chestnut Street. Uh, I'll start by saying I'm awfully troubled that we let Davis there get in any kind of disarray. Uh, but I saw it at the old high school too when we no longer felt like we wanted that either. It's. Uh, I guess that's just what we do here. And to speak to uh, cleaning, emptying it out. If it was in the city, the city would get a, I don't know what they actually call it, it's like an X hall. And it would go right up to the third floor. And you would open the double doors where our old fire escapes. The gentleman speaks of those double doors. That was where fire escapes that were condemned. We used to all watch the fireworks from those fire escapes when we were young. A lot of us. <laughs> um, and each and they come up with a, a giant box it's all fenced in so nobody's going to fall down no one gets hurt you open up those double doors and all trash desks everything come to that central location out down put them on the ground if this is going to be a long-term thing where the town's going to it's going to take two or three years to make a decision on what we're going to do uh, we're going to need to rent the space. We're going to need this warehouse space all over Franklin. Open warehouses not getting used everywhere. We restored all the stuff. Uh, if you remember, at this, the, the location that we, was our fire station, our temporary fire station was loaded with school stuff for a while. A lot of it, I think, is still down in some of those offices. Um, but that's going forward. Uh, to Debbie's point, I know Debbie's not for the police station. I'm a big advocate for the police station. I think it's, if you look at it, it's centrally located. I have a printout at home to speak to Mr. Uh, to check, uh, Mr. Helen's point. Um, I have a thing at home that says it's over four acres. 
that came right from the assessor's office. I think it's 4.3 acres rather than 3 point something. But I could be wrong, but I do have something on that says that. I should have brought it, I did not. Um, the cost, we have already talked about spending 30 million approximately, maybe more in today's money, on a new police station. An elevator is gonna be an afterthought. Uh, someone like a Perini or a giant construction company would come in here and they would save all four of those beautiful facade walls and they would shore them up and we would start with a blank slate. We could give the chief uh, sally port that they want, the ball field, we might have to sacrifice that ball field, I get it. We might, but again, it might fit over on Ray Street. But I know that in the heart of hearts, the library, there are folks that would like parking to come out of that, it makes sense. Again, it speaks to the downtown, saving of the downtown, and parking for the downtown. We have to all remember, this is all about the greater good. There's gonna to have to be give and take from all, so. Stevie, can finish I Finish your thought, finish your thought. Can I have Mr. Dean three minutes? Rick, finish your thought. Thank you. Um, the elevator, the $30 million, um, it's, if you look at it, it is the most centrally located building in our community, that, that building. Look at it on our maps, it's right in the middle. The police will have access to both 495's Pleasant Street, King Street, Chestnut Street off Alvia, uh, Chestnut off of Pleasant. Um, time of response, much, much better. Um, I know, again, a lot of people want senior housing. I get it, as do I. Um, this council will be talking about, I think, in the next year or two, maybe thinking about closing apartment. There may be apartment that has, there is not a need, maybe. Maybe the kids, where the number's going down, we can get those kids into the, to the two big schools, and then if we're gonna think about senior housing, well, what better place than Parmenta? Parmenta has more land to go out on. It's right up there where we're already Central Park. Terrace already exists. It's the perfect location for senior housing. And must have been, we must not forget, we still have 60 that's in the pipeline right now that I think, Tom, you said today, the funding is maybe finally coming for up behind the, the ice rink. So we're gonna have some senior housing forthcoming. Um, Last but not least, I do hope that when, if you do have this committee that the, uh, the Rondo brothers are in there. Both Rondo brothers are dedicated, long-term, smart, builders, comparable, uh, competent. I hope they're part of your committee and your thoughts because I hope that we have some builders who know the trades. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Please. Look, somebody that went to Davis there yeah. when I was at high school. <laughs> yes, I, I have to say I'm a proud graduate of Davis there, class of 1962. Uh, to me, uh, I have to disagree with Councillor Pellegri. Uh, I think it'd be a fantastic location for a police uh, station. Uh, now we have to give directions. Uh, where's the police station? You're going to give people directions to get there. Every town I go through, uh, you look around and the police station is right in the main thoroughfare of the town. Our police station is off on a side road somewhere. So I really think you should consider that as a site for a police station. Uh, whatever you do, we need a new police station anyway from what I've heard. <clears throat> uh, there's no storage there and it's a drastic needed for the town and they will need that. Uh, you'd have to retrofit, retrofit this building. It's gonna cost money, but so would a new police station. You can't 
beat the location, and we want to preserve the building as well. Uh, the other use I could think of would be a rec center for recreation. So, but I do think that that has to be addressed. The location of our police station. Thank you. Thank you, Wayne. Is there anyone? Anyone else? Can I have one thing. Sure. Sure. To speak to Wayne's point, excellent, and I, just things I left off. Uh, as far as the historical folks who also we'd love to have a place for, or the rec department, what do we do with our old police station? Boom. Put one of those. Either a rec department for the kids, historic. We have a, we have the that nice park. The uh, what do they call that? Thing? Thank you. So the perfect place for the for those folks, the historical folks. A new home for them. Or, or, or maybe up at, uh, at uh, Schmidt's Farm for the historical people with that beautiful barn being part of it. Um, but thank you, just cross my mind. Thank you. Is there anyone else in the audience? Anyone else, anyone out in Zoom land? I think I've got a pretty good consensus from the uh, council that the Citizens Committee is uh, the way we want to go. So I will close tonight's discussion uh, with that direction, maybe beginning the process of putting uh, a charge. Yeah, absolutely, Mr. Chairman. Um, you know, there'll be, uh, um, you know, I think um, to Councilor Pellegrini's point earlier, really quickly about an attorney or a builder, um, I think the challenging issue is going to be, and it'll take a while to decide who to put on, how it's a fair process, is it an open well, process? Well, I, I, I think we have to put it out as an open process and okay. put it out to the community to see uh, who might be interested sure. because certainly you don't want to appoint somebody uh, that probably wouldn't have volunteered. Right. You'd really like people that are genuinely concerned and uh, want to be and want to be a part of the reuse committee. So uh, I think if we can get that process started uh, and we can talk more uh, about it. You got it. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you, uh, one and all. Uh, moving forward, uh, legislation for action. Resolution 22-71, further amending the senior citizen property tax work off abatement program. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is Resolution 22-71, further amending the senior citizen's property tax work off abatement program. <clears throat> Where the Town Council has accepted Massachusetts General Law Chapter 59, Sections 5K, enacted by the General Court of the Commonwealth on July 11, 2001, which allows senior citizens of the Town of Franklin to volunteer their services to the Town in exchange for a reduction in their property tax bills, $40. Now, therefore, be resolved by the Town Council of the Town of Franklin that the Senior Citizens Tax Off work, work Abatement Program annual individual benefit is increased to $1,500. Qualified Senior Citizens Taxpayers over 60 years of age may volunteer their services to the Town in exchange for reduction in their property tax bills for their domicile. 
qualified senior assistance taxpayers will receive an amount at an hourly rate for their services not to exceed the minimum hourly wage in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. In this resolution to become effective according to the county beginning January 1st, 2023. Move resolution 22-71. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion, Jamie. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, the simple uh, portion, I think everybody knows uh, pretty openly about what the Senior Center uh, work off and the Veterans uh, work off programs are for. The simple adjustment tonight is that it, as of January 1st to up the rate to the minimum wage, which we've been keeping up with the last few years. So that's really the only point of this resolution is to get that wage up on January 1st to $15. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Jamie. Uh, discussion from the Council, Council of Chandler. <clears throat> Through you, Mr. Chairman. I, you know, in the past I've spoke that I think that they should get more than the minimum wage. But the worst law ever written in Massachusetts history, Chapter 59, Section 5K, clearly states that it can only be the minimum wage. So I just want people at home to know that, that we're not being cheap. We value the seniors, but this is the law that we have to deal with. And the one good part of the law, excuse me, is that. $1,500 is a good work off. But I just want people to know that I think all of us would like to give them more than minimum wage. So, but thank you. Thank you, Councilor Chandler. Any other questions or comments from the council? Uh, Councilor Pellegrini. Through the chair, um, to Jamie. Can someone work two different places to make up their hours? Through Mr. Chairman, absolutely. Yeah. Yep, they could. Okay. It's not taking away from someone else that might want to um, be in the work off program, allowing someone to do two, because we only have certain places that they can work, correct? Through you, Mr. Chairman. So we put out a solicitation. The Senior Center puts out a solicitation. Obviously, the last few years have been a little challenging because of COVID. Before that, we had a full house um, from the full abatement programs. And you know, obviously, the last few years, it's, it's been trickling back. Um, and so we do ask departments. They're not fixed jobs, meaning we ask department heads every year, how many slots do you need? Felicia is a good example. <laughs> she just happens to be sitting here. She may need X amount of jobs this year, but maybe next year she needs a few less. Maybe the year after that she needs a few more. Ryan earlier, you heard him talk, he takes advantage of them. So each year the jobs can change. Any department is eligible to do them. Um, I don't believe it takes away from another person being able to work at a specific place um, because it's really about the total amount of hours. So somebody could, you know, you could have the town clerk, for example, could have somebody year round but it might be six different people that fill in those hours and somebody else could do their half of their work in the clerk's office and then half their work in the building department. Um, it just varies from year to year based on the need of each department. I can understand that. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Pledry. Any other questions or comments? Jamie, have we ever been at a juncture where we had people that wanted to be part of the work-off program but didn't have a position for them. Not that I can think of, unless they, unless we maxed out the cap, as Councilor Chandler just pointed to a minute ago, unless the, unless the, you know, unless we just maxed out. But I, I don't recall before the pandemic it was tight. But I just want to make one point to your one quick plug, if I may. What we are we are struggling with are the veterans. 
Um, and I think part of that is mainly because of, um, of some of the younger veterans maybe don't need it or they're not eligible or they don't know about it. I know Shannon, as COVID's coming out, is doing a lot of promotion for it. So, cheap plug, if there are any veterans that anybody knows, you know, we've tried to take the veterans off the senior to leave those slots open for non-veterans and try to get them into the veterans program. But it's, it's been a little slow. Again, I, I just wanted to make the point that to this point, we haven't had to turn anyone away because we didn't have a slot for them. I'm not saying that we won't get there. Sure. Um, we used to have people that would work it, work the program, but give the hours to someone else because they weren't able to work, but needed the assistance. So do we still do that? I'm not familiar with that. I'm not sure that's yeah, part of the guidelines. It may have happened in the past, but I'm not, I'm not, I think it's, maybe Mark's whispering over here, it's yeah. part of the veterans piece, maybe. But I'm not sure that like, veterans. I don't, yeah. I don't believe there was a system where all oh, I get my fifteen hundred and I. Sure. We can look into that sure. and get back to us. But Mark, do you remember that? My recollection is uh, it has been the property owner, or perhaps it can be their spouse, but that's it. Uh, the veterans program allows flexibility to have somebody else do the work. Work us. do the work off. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Councilor. Council Columbia Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Jamie, to you, um, can you just, for our purposes, review that there are income requirements to both the senior program and the veteran program, correct? I believe so, yeah. Can you, do you know what they are, just, yeah. for, our, just for our own knowledge? I don't remember what the income is off the top of my head. Uh, Mike, educating, yes. Mark was jumping in. Uh, my educated guess is probably commensurate with other, like with federal home heating, oil systems, and stuff like that. So we could, in fact, to Councilor Perkins' question, though, have seniors or veterans that would love to take advantage of the program but may be disqualified because of income. I think the veteran status is the veteran right. status. Um, so that would only apply to seniors. Then? Seniors, right? Just, just wanted to make sure I understood. Thank you. Thank you, Council Corbyn-Linder. Anyone else? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 22-71. A majority vote's required, but it does need to be a roll call vote, so clerk will call the roll. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Corbyn-Linder. Yes. Sheridan. Yes. Chairman. Yes. Angela. Yes. Allegri. Yes. Yes. Jones, yes, Chair. Yes. Eight one Motion carries. Resolution 22-72, further amending the Veterans Property Tax Work Off Abatement Program. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is Resolution 22-72, further amending the Veterans Property Tax Work Off Abatement Program where the Town Council has accepted Massachusetts General Law Chapter 59, Section 5N, enacted by General Court of Commonwealth on October 12, 2012, which all allows veterans of the town of Franklin to volunteer their services to the town in exchange for a reduction in the property tax bills for their domiciles. 
Now, this will be resolved by the Town Council of the Town of Franklin that one, the Veterans Tax Workoff Abatement Program Annual Individual Benefit is increased to $1,500. Qualified Veterans Taxpayers may volunteer their services to the town in exchange for reduction in their property tax bills for their domicile. Qualified Veterans Taxpayers will receive an amount at an hourly rate for their services not exceeding the minimum hourly wage rate for Commonwealth of Massachusetts, and this resolution shall become effective for the calendar year beginning January 1st, 2023, and thereafter. Move resolution 22-72. Second. Motion and the second. Discussion. Uh, same as Basically the, the same as the last one. Uh, any other questions or comments? Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Just a quick question through you to the town administrator, just to, in regards to um, last year's change to the veterans' property uh, increase that the, the town of Franklin had on top of the state's property. I know that's different from this, but um, that was something we passed last year to help give a benefit to the veterans, the disabled veterans of the town, in order to give them a, a more or less a doubling of their tax break. Um, just as a reminder that those applications are also up every single year, every every December, if I'm correct. Uh, the, the primary, uh, to your point, Councilor Jones, that is completely separate than this, but yep. the council did do that on the abatements. Uh, you have to contact the Board of Assessors or come in downstairs to the first floor and they will walk anybody, any veteran through that process, obviously call them on the phone. Right. And just a just a quick just a quick note. That's not something we have to re-vote on. Once we voted on it last year, it's a continuous program from that point forward. I believe so. Okay. Correct. Well, you're we'll get there. We'll get there. I know. Motion and second on the floor. You are correct in what you state. Thank you. Mark. There is no income limitation on these programs. The limitations on you can't get more. Of a deduct and you're paying in taxes. Okay. Okay. All right. Seeing no further discussion, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 22-72. Again, a majority vote's required, but because of remote participation, we do need it to be a roll call vote. So, clerk will call the roll. Sheridan. Yes. Coming Ledger. Yes. Frangillo. Yes. Chandler. Yes. Hamler. Yes. Polygrid. Yes. Jones. Yes. Chair. Yes. Motion carries. Resolution 22-73, General Funds Appropriation Transfers and Adjustments, FY23. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Motion to waive the reading. Thank you. <laughs> Motion and a second to waive the reading. Uh, roll call vote. Clerk will call the roll. Sheridan. Yes. Formulate. No. Frangillo. This, yeah. this is not the way of the reading. Oh, no. We'll get a sign. Yes. Chandler. Yes. Hamlin. Yes. Allegri. Yes. Jones. Yes. Chair. Yes. Seven. Yes. The one no. One absent. Motion carries. Okay. No. Move resolution 22-73. Motion and a second to move resolution 22-73. Uh, discussion, Jamie, uh, summary, please. Sure, so through you, Mr. Chairman, just by way of background for the folks at home, 
Um, if you came from a small town, this would be called a special town meeting in the middle of fall. This is very, very common um, where, uh, for those of you that have been on the council for many years, you know this. The folk watching at home and on Zoom, um, after state aid, the state budget and the state budget process cycle goes through, we're obligated under law to make sure that um, we file the appropriate paperwork with the state before we set our tax rate hearing. By the way, Chief Plug, November 30th is the town's tax rate hearing. So everybody that's curious about how we set the tax rate, please come to the meeting on November 30th. Um, and so we don't really know in May um, exactly what revenues will be like. Um, and so we come back in the fall every year to take a review of the budget. We incorporate in the final state budget numbers. We incorporate in the final new growth numbers. And we also monitor the first quarter of revenues from local receipts of which we put a report in the, um, in the packet tonight. And the most common number people want to look at is the aggregate. And we are on target through September 30th uh, in terms of local receipts projections. We're at 25.9%. That's very good to know that we're on target. So through the first quarter of the year thus far, we are on target uh, from our revenue projections. In the uh, resolution and in the memo, um, I did outline uh, that we did go to the Finance Committee, uh, as we do every year, uh, last week, um, and went through a thorough review uh, of all the uh, budgetary changes. Um, and they did vote unanimously, uh, seven to nothing, to, re uh, to recommend to the Town Council um, to approve uh, this budget amendment. Um, one of the reasons why there are more accounts that have transfers at this time, the main reason, the overwhelming amount of um, is due to the transfers in funds due to the collective bargaining agreements that have been uh, that have been passed and uh, and solved. So when you look at a lot of these, this includes the two and a half percent cola also for all of the non-union um, staff. Normally, in a non-collective bargaining year, the amount of the accounts that are seeing money transferred in and out are are you know two you know three quarters less than what's here right now. Um, and I'll note for the public and online exactly where the other changes are that are much, uh, much more substantial uh, interest to the community. All of it is outlined in this memo, again in the packet. Um, it outlines pretty easily exactly uh, where the revenues came in, where they're going, and exactly uh, why the funds are being transferred the way they are. I'm gonna offer the couple big highlights, Mr. Chairman, just so everybody's on the same page. The number one thing that will stick out to some people is they're gonna say, oh, why is the town administrator's budget going up $103,000? I'm sure that's one that people have in their mind. Um, and the main reason is that is due to the opioid settlement, the first installment of the opioid settlement money, as well as the reduction in fees that the host community agreements are gonna to pay to the town from the impact fees because the legislature, both in both cases, the court settlement was finalized and the law changed relative to uh, post-community agreement. I lay out in here exactly where that first round of funding for the opioids will go. I will tell you that in the next couple months, there'll be a proposal coming before the council. This is a 20-year long opioid settlement program, and there's a lot of guidance and regulations from the state, and we're gonna recommend to the council to set up a stabilization account, which we are uh, legally obligated to do, so that all those monies in the future will not be a part of the budget model. This is just a transitionary year, and we just have to deal with it uh, the way that it is. So the money for those opioid and the HCAs is in my budget, not because I want it, just because there was some place to put it. 
Um, and then uh, second, Mr. Chairman, um, the other big item on the list is debt service and principal. Those increases uh, have gone up, uh, which occupies at least 50% of, uh, of the revenue that came in via state aid. And that was for the borrowing that happened for the renovation of this building inside, as well as the uh, Horace Mann drainage property. Um, the other big piece on here is there were some cost overruns, again, from the, on the elections division, all because of the change in the statute relative to early voting and mail-in voting. Um, and so we need to make sure that we plug uh, that gap from the, uh, from, uh, for the elections. And then from the additional uh, revenue um, that, uh, that came in via state aid and new growth, um, one of the benefits is that we are able to, in the proposal list tonight, um, is to uh, not deduct any additional revenue. There's already 450,000 being taken out of the Comp Reserve Fund. Um, and this is usually a fund that has revenues in it so that we can uh, plan for unforeseen personnel decisions, retirement costs, uh, recruitment and retention of employees, which you know is a huge challenge for everybody right now. And uh, by the end of the year, just to note for the public and for the council, um, in June, many of you have been through this before, we all come back at the end of June at the last meeting of the council and we uh, do a bunch of transfers in case any accounts were in the red um, and any accounts had any unspent monies and we walk through with the public exactly where those revenues were. So um, with that, uh, I hope I kept that somewhat short, Mr. Chairman. I know there's a lot of details. I can talk about it all night, but um, that's the big level overview, uh, but it all is in here in the memo for anybody at home to look at. Thank you. Thank you, Jimmy. Questions or comments from the council? Council Chandler. Through you, Mr. Chairman. Um, the main highlight that I, I like about this resolution, I'm sure um, Councilor Galoco would be the first to say this if he was here, that the Safe Coalition is getting their money and the fire and police are getting more Narcan training, which goes to, we have a lot of issues obviously with substance abuse problems. And, and this is the part, I think maybe I need some clarification from the town administrator. The cannabis money, which is $356,000, when is that gonna be gone? Is it next year, this year? Jamie. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'm gonna, again, those are great points, Councilor Chairman. I'm glad you highlighted. Um, in particular, I, I do wanna just give a plug for the opioid settlement money first. Um, there is some resources in here. Um, I can assure you, and I've emailed all of the town boards, and uh, excuse me, staff, uh, the superintendent, board of health, the chiefs, um, at some point there'll have to be a, um, a working group dedicated toward how to distribute those funds to make a recommendation to you guys in the finance committee. Um, I wanna give a lot of credit to the folks that did do that lawsuit, because to your point, Council Chandler, you're right, um, obviously the problem is not getting better. Um, and so this additional revenue that the town's gonna to be getting over the next 20 years, you know, hopefully will provide a lot of substance abuse support um, throughout the community. In terms of the host community agreements, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on, and it's a very, very controversial topic, it's very, very complicated. Um, uh, the law was changed relative to host community agreements uh, last summer. Um, and ultimately, if you look at the city of Boston, it's just, it's just a trend. The city of Boston, uh, Mayor Wu, actually canceled out all the agreements on November 1st, 
and she announced just last week that she's returning almost three and a half million dollars back in impact fees to those businesses. Um, and this is, I don't want to go into it unless you want to tonight, I'm happy to dig in deep, but I'm just letting everybody know this is an extraordinarily complicated topic. And unfortunately, the bad news is per se, uh, is that that revenue source from just the impact agreement will be going away. The good news, and I want to leave everybody with a really big positive, which is there, which is that number one, the businesses that we have had in town have been excellent to work with. Um, and we've got very, very good relationships with all of them. All of them have invested heavily in this community and all of them have prioritized local jobs, by the way, as part of those agreements. So those agreements, prioritizing local jobs and all those other things is gonna stay intact. The other positive is, is the sales, the local option sales tax this council passed five or six years ago. The 3% on all sales at both Netta and Botero is going to help continue to fill the town's coffers, at least in terms of sustainable revenue like meals taxes and like hotel taxes. That's a good thing. Um, and so I've tried to, um, while we, every town manager will agree and disagree on this entire issue, every legislator probably has their own opinions too, and I understand that. Um, the impacts to the community, I want to give a plug to Netta um, and to Botera. You know, they've reached agreements on not they're not gonna claw any money back. There is not gonna be any of that. So the Grove Street, for example, that money is still going into Grove Street and that has been very supportive of their contributions to continue to go into that project. And Botera, in terms of funding the Safe Coalition, they have never once wavered for me in their support for the Safe Coalition and doing whatever they can do. It's just simply back to the, the fact that the law changed and um, I have a feeling that Mayor Wu is on the right side of this. Um, but there is, there is still revenue coming into the town through the sales tax. Um, sales have increased over the course of those stores being open. And so uh, over the next two or three years, I think you're going to see a pretty good revenue source in the town budget. So um, that's about as easy as I can make it for right now. But lastly, yeah. and I appreciate all the things you've said about those businesses, but the excise tax is $104,000. And I think those businesses do more damage than $104,000. That's what I'm getting at. That's the excise tax for this year, the 104. So, but I just, you know what, on the 30th, we'll be able to do something about this if people vote right. Thank you. Thank you, Council Chairman. Any other questions or comments? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 22-73. Again, a majority votes required. Uh, and it will be a roll call vote because of remote participation. Clerk will call the roll. Corey Audrey. Yes. Jared. Yes. Chairman. Yes. Brian Jello. Yes. Allegri. Yes. Emily. Yes. Jones. Yes. Chair. Yes. Eight. Motion carries. Resolution 22-74, gift acceptance, Veterans Services Department, $1,550. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is resolution 22-74. Acceptance of gifts, Veteran Services Department, whereas the Veteran Services Department has received generous donations in the total amount of $1,550 to be used at the discretion of the Department as follows. Donation summary, Veteran Services Department, $1,550. First, Monument Restoration Fund, $1,300. 
Municipal Assistance Fund, $220, Veterans Gift Fund, 30 List of donors is included in the 11-16-2022 Town Council Meeting Agenda Packet. Now, therefore, be resolved that the Town Council, Town of Franklin, on behalf of the Veterans Services Department, gratefully accepts its generous donations to be used at the discretion of the Department for purposes noted above. So, resolution should become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Local Charter. Move resolution 22-74. Second. Motion and second. Discussion, Jamie. Just want to thank all the uh, generous donations and obviously I'm sure like all of you, just want to thank Terry and Sons for their incredible Thank you, Jamie. Any further discussions, comments? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 22-74. Again, a majority vote's required and a roll call vote is uh, required because of remote participation. Clerk will call the roll. Next was Chairman. Chairman. Yes. Governor Ledger. Yes. Uh, Jello. Yep. Chairman. Yes. Hamlin. Yes. Floygree. Yes. John Jess, Chair. Yes. Eight, one, Motion carries. Resolution 22-75, one of our favorites. Cable funds in support of peg service and programming per Mass General Law, Chapter 44, subsection 53, F and three quarters. Clerk will read the resolution. Motion to waive the reading. Second. Motion to second to waive the reading. Clerk will call the roll. Call me alleged. Yes. Charity. Yes. Chandler. Yes. Angelo. Yeah. Allegri. Yes. Hamlin. Yes. John Jess. Chair. Yes. Eight point. Motion carries. No. <coughs> Move. Resolution 22-75. Second. Motion, motion and a second. Uh, discussion, Jamie? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that, Jamie. Uh, any discussion from the council? This is something that we have pretty much once a month, uh, if not every meeting. Uh, so with that, the uh, vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 22-75. Again, the majority vote's required. And again, the roll call uh, vote is needed because of remote participation. Clerk will call the roll. Come here, Yes. Angelo. Yeah. Hamlin. Yes. Charity. Yes. Chairman. Yes. Gregory. Yes. Jones, yes. Chair. Yes. Eight, one, sir. Motion carries. Thank you. Town Administrator's report. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Chairman, a couple of items. One, for all of you out there who are bothered by train whistles, unfortunately they will continue, but the good news is, is we did finally find an engineering company to start the quiet zone study. So for those of you out there that have been wishing for that, there is beginning to have some hope. Um, I expect that study to take probably a year. And the report will come back here and it'll cost a lot of money, but at least out there um, we're getting that study uh, started. It's taken over a year to find a qualified engineer to do that because they're very busy. Um, so I did want to announce that for everybody. Second, uh, the open space and recreation plan kickoff process um, is in here. Uh, Councilor Chandler re uh, referenced that earlier. The Conservation Commission is the organization or the board that is running the open space and rec planning process. 
Anybody who's interested in the next seven to 10 years of open space and recreation should follow the Conservation Commission's email list and, their, and the social media channels we have for the town um, and check in with them at their meetings. They're gonna be having that on probably every meeting for uh, probably the next six or seven months. Community can come in, tell us their uh, wish list like Ryan did tonight and all the fun stuff and ideas they have. Um, and the goal will be to update that seven year plan that's required by law. We anticipate that with the chart that's in the packet to be done um, hopefully next September. So that's a really, really cool thing. Um, we had our first staff uh, working group kick off uh, this week and we were really thrilled to have Superintendent uh, Gindir there. So really happy that Lucas and the schools are participating. Um, and I know the Conservation Commission, just for the stakeholder groups out there, because a lot of people have called me about this, they will be bringing in the Agricultural Commission, the Bellingham Rail Trails group, and all of those groups at dedicated meetings to get their feedback as well. So I just wanted to let the community know. And finally, I'm sure all of you will mention this too, I just really want to thank our Veterans Services Officer, Shannon Nesbitt, um, and the Elks Club and the Veterans Council for an incredible Veterans Day celebration again last Friday. Um, and what a wonderful job she does on behalf of the town. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Jamie. Questions for Jamie? Seeing none, we'll move on to subcommittee reports. Uh, I don't believe capital met. I know budget didn't meet. Economic development did. Uh, Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Yes, the economic development subcommittee met tonight before the, the full council meeting. Um, we discussed the zoning line cleanup that will be coming to the, the full council. Um, we're getting there, there's only a few more left. That's what Brian promised me. Um, and then we also started to talk about some of the zoning changes and um, inclusionary zoning and things like that from the Franklin for All project and the housing plant, production plan and um, the MBTA community. Uh, we didn't get through everything, so we'll have another meeting on November 30th to finish that discussion. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, uh, Councilor Hamblin. Uh, Councilor Frondillo, anything from GATRA? We met today. Uh, the top line info is we're basically just cleaning up and actually trying to look like a real organization. So that means uh, A, having clear instructions for us that we, we uh, as advisory board members, we've got a uh, orientation packet around what it means to be an advisory board member and how to participate, uh, which is great. Uh, and then we're also moving, uh, GAFTRA is moving, we currently have three different operators across uh, the region and they're trying to consolidate the, the one operator. So pretty uh, pretty basic things, but we're, we're glad it's happening. Sounds like things are starting to come together a little bit with uh, GAFTRA, so let's hope. Uh, okay, with that, uh, future agenda items. Councilor Sheridan? Nothing at this time. Councilor Hamlin? Nothing at this time, thank you. Councilor Cormier Ledger? Nothing at this time. Councilor Chandler? Nothing at this time. Councilor Gregory? Councilor Frangelo? Nothing at this time. Councilor Jones? Okay, we'll go to Council Comments. Councilor Chandler? One interesting thing um, I saw on my phone when um, we were doing 
So the congratulations to firefighter Galoni. They had three calls going at once while we were doing it. Oh, yeah. So they were running around town crazy. So it just shows how busy they are. I just wanted people to know that. And um, I didn't have anything else tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Chandler. Councilor, call me a ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I have a few, a few things to say. First of all, congratulations and thank you to Tom Clark, Nancy Danello for a fantastic safe and uh, from all accounts uh, flawless election day and everything leading up to it. Uh, congratulations to our Veterans Service Department, Shannon Nesbitt and her entire crew uh, for a lovely Veterans Day luncheon that most of us were able to attend last week. Um, also, thank you to um, Councilor Jones for organizing the get-together with the Franklin Newcomers last week. It was uh, great to meet all of those folks and just kind of have an informal chat with them and uh, hear some of their concerns. Uh, I want to say congratulations to all of my friends out there at the Franklin Art Association for their first uh, opening at their new gallery location um, at Escape Into Fiction in town. Uh, it was a lovely reception last week and it's great to see so many people coming together to support the arts. Um, I do want to throw out, uh, an, I guess, a note of disappointment um, after hearing uh, not only um, the superintendent's report at the school committee meeting about uh, increased negative behaviors of our students and reading his report about all the concerns of games and asking for parents uh, and then hearing about the flowers uh, over the train tracks that were thrown over and destroyed, that our volunteers spent so much time and money trying to keep our downtown beautiful. I would just urge, as a parent myself, I want to urge all of the parents out there to just please have these discussions with your kids. Uh, these things impact many people. They cost, overall, they cost our town thousands of dollars. Um, when you look at the things being done in the schools and the amount of additional services that have to go toward uh, correcting some of these problems, like um, continued issues in bathrooms, continued uh, issues in elevators at schools. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. Um, and it, I feel like that could be helped if parents got a little bit more involved uh, in what their kids were doing uh, and had some talks with them a little bit. But I don't want to end in a negative, so I do want to say Happy Thanksgiving to everyone, not only on the council, but also to everyone listening. So thank you. Thank you, Councilor Coleman. Councilor I would like to ditto everything you just said about the uptown and the flowers and all of that. That's so disappointing, things like that to be happening in our town, that we take such pride in. Um, I want to thank Nancy Danello again um, for the great election and all the hours, the extra hours that are mandated um, by her, her and her staff. Um, the Veterans Luncheon was just wonderful. I can't thank um, Shannon. 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 Oh my God, Shannon is such a, a great job. She is such a, a good speaker, and everyone enjoyed themselves. And naturally, thank you to the elves for doing this. Um, Sue Barber over at the Senior Center. Uh, she's going to be leaving by the end of the month, I believe. Is that right, Jamie? The end of the month. I yeah. believe it's November thirtieth. November 30th? So it's a few weeks away. Yeah, a couple okay. weeks away. She'll be back too as a work off, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> and she'll be very helpful for doing that. Um, I'd like to make mention to the sidewalks. 
uh, at St. Mary's Church. So I'm going to Mass. The woman that was standing next to me got her foot caught in the hole that's there, a piece of that artificial brick or whatever it is, you know, the red section, the crosswalk. This piece is all coming up. It's the one going from Pleasant Street to the church, right over Main Street. Oh, okay. Okay. So the brick stand to the okay. Yeah, and there was a hole, and I thought to myself, that's all we need is to have some kind of a suit there. Um, so if we can look into that. And again, I had mentioned the benches uh, at the old museum. If we could put something on Facebook or wherever you can put this so that people know that they're available and if they want them, we could set up maybe a weekend that they could come and we'd have people there to be able to certainly help them. They'd come with their own trucks and take whatever. But the one town, and I don't remember the name of the town, they, like I said, they had over 132 people that called that were interested in the pew. So maybe we can clean things up that way. Okay? Thank you, Councillor Blake. And happy Thanksgiving to Councillor Hamlin. Well, uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I would like to echo everyone's uh, thoughts and thank yous to the veterans agent and all the veterans and the Elks and everyone who uh, put together that wonderful um, Veterans Day luncheon and the speaker. Um, it was amazing. His story was just incredible. Um, and, and to Nancy and all the election workers, all their hard work, it just was very nice. And it's nice not to have to worry. You know, they just took care of everything. You knew it was going to be a, well, a job well done. Um, if anyone is available at 9 a.m. on Saturday, you can help decorate downtown with greens um, and bows. And um, also on Saturday, the first winter farmer's market at Fairmont Fruit Farm is at from 10 to 2. Um, and you can get all your Thanksgiving goodies there and then and pick up some wine from La Cantina and um, have a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Hamlin. Councillor Frangillo. Yep, thank you. Uh, Councilor Hamlin beat me to uh, decorating the farmer's market. Uh, those will both be, be great. Um, happy Thanksgiving turkey trot after Thanksgiving. Uh, always a good event, uh, fundraising for uh, the food pantry. Um, so that'll be on, on the 24th. Uh, we got office hours tomorrow morning at the um, senior center. And then uh, finally the rail trail. Um, through the support of uh, the council and uh, our state legislators, uh, but especially through the advocacy of the Franklin Bellingham Rail Trail Committee. Uh, the rail trail has been improved so that that path uh, duck, stone duck, uh, that was on the Bellingham side, now goes all the way through uh, to Grove. It's beautiful, it's accessible, um, it, it's really, really nice, better drainage. Um, so thanks to uh, DPW, thanks to DCR, thanks to everyone else who uh, helped get that through. Thank you, Councillor Frangillo. Councillor Sheridan. I would second what everything everybody else has said. Happy Thanksgiving and thank you to the Veterans Council for that great luncheon. Thank you, Councillor Sheridan. 
Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Just a couple of things. Uh, obviously, the first thing is the election board, because I want to thank everyone who came out to vote and the election board. Tremendous, tremendous job by Nancy and her crew and everyone who came out to vote. Um, secondly, of course, just to reiterate the luncheon, the veterans' luncheons, and everything's been said. Great, uh, great event. Uh, I did want to mention that the DAV 5K, which I was talking about last week, which was postponed to Sunday because of what was going to be a pending storm, and ended up raining on Sunday, mm -hmm. but there still ended up being an absolutely tremendous turnout to support our disabled American veterans at Castle Island in Boston this past Sunday. And I, I just, it was a very heartfelt moment. I'm very proud of my cadets. Had about 30 cadets that showed up to help set up the event uh, from two divisions. And uh, it was well, well run of that. Um, Dean College had their, their second uh, common community alliance meeting yesterday. I know Tom's probably going to talk about that too. Um, in, in part of Dean College's attempts to try to reach out more to the, to the surrounding neighborhood to hear the concerns and listen. Uh, the next scheduled meeting won't be until January. Hoping to do a monthly meeting January, February, March, and April. Um, but those dates are not set yet because the Chancellor's assistant is going to be looking at the schedule to see when those dates will be open. Uh, in the meantime, there is a meeting in December. Um, and, what else? Um, oh, one more thing, sorry. I forgot to mention that um, as of the past couple of weeks, uh, work has begun on renovating the, the inside of the new Franklin food kitchen. Um, so Edwin's is now being officially transformed into the new Franklin food pantry. Uh, there are walls going up, there are wires being cut out, and there's uh, modifications being made to meet the architectural needs of that building, and it's on it's on pace. And I'm hoping that some good progress can be made. So. Great. Thank you, Councilor Jones. Uh, again, uh, to reiterate a lot of what my fellow councilors have said, uh, Nancy Benello and the town clerks and the entire team, uh, election team, did a magnificent job with our most recent election. Uh, the Veterans Day brunch, the Elks, Shannon Nesbitt, uh, fantastic job, Bob Geiger. Uh, the featured speaker was phenomenal to uh, Councilor Hamblin's point. Uh, again, I'd like to thank Becky Carloni again and congratulate her uh, on uh, just going above and beyond. And that's what our people do. Uh, so it's just a wonderful thing. To Glenn's point, and this uh, Dean community uh, group that has been formed uh, by Ed Augustus, the new chancellor and Dean. Uh, we had the second meeting, as Glenn said, last night. Uh, but I, I, I want to reach out to the entire community, not just the neighbors of Dean College, but to the entire community. If there are things that you have questions about or would like to talk to the dean administration about, these are the meetings you should come to. Uh, and please don't think it's just about parking, and <laughs> uh, which, you know, the first couple, of, a lot of it has been parking, but that's not just what it's there for. It's there for the entire community. So please, uh, come to some of these meetings, talk to the administration, listen to what things are going on at Dean, 
and maybe if you have a suggestion as to what things the community might be able to do in conjunction with Dean, uh, or things the Dean might be able to do uh, with the community. So please reach out. And again, happy Thanksgiving Day to everyone, and have a great holiday. We do have a need uh, for an executive session tonight, and we will not be returning to open session. Uh, and the need is to, in considering the purchase and exchange, lease, or value of real property, because an open meeting may have a detrimental effect on the negotiating position of the public body, and we will not return. And I so declare. I love to declare. And we will not return to open session. Clerk. Mr. Chairman, I'd like to make a motion to go into executive session for considering the purchase and exchange lease or value real property because an open meeting may have a detrimental effect on the negotiating position of the public body. Second. Second. Uh, motion and a second. So we have a motion and a second. Clerk will call the Formula. Sure. Yes. Chandler. Yes. Argillo. Yeah. Allegri. Yes. Yes. Jones. Yes. Chair. Yes. We will enter negotiate, uh, enter executive session. Thank you all. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tin Type Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.